You're now reading from the first chapter of the letter to the Ephesians. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe? According to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, happy Christ the King Sunday. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. And I hope that whatever your state is this morning, that you're dealing appropriately with your happiness or your sadness, however the game went for you last night. If not, there are people available to pray with you. (laughs) Have you ever wondered what others might be praying for you about? Ever wondered what they might tell their pastors they're praying for you about? Not to worry, they have a similar prayer life as you do, if that gives you a clue. I often hear several similar prayer requests when I'm with groups. I'll go to the Tuesday morning men's Bible study or the Thursday prayer and communion service or and with other groups, and frequently it's the same types of requests. People will pray for the sick. They'll pray for those who are grieving for peace and healing in our community and world. We definitely need all of those prayers, but not only those prayers. When I meet with people who are interested in talking more about being part of this church, I'll tell them about the membership commitment that we'd be involved with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And I always ask them to pray for those things, the sick, the grieving, the concerns they hear about, but also to pray for the leaders of the church. That the leaders of the church would hear God's guidance and and go in the direction God would have them go, not just follow their own agendas. But Paul would challenge us to go even further than that. Paul claims that he could not stop giving thanks for the people in Ephesus. We have many reasons to be thankful here. When we start naming them, the prayer can seem unending. It's a wonderful prayer to pray. Paul summarized the reasons for him giving thanks for the Ephesians as being because he had heard of their faith in Jesus and of their love toward all the saints. We take those for granted, don't we? When was the last time you said to God, thank you for so-and-so's faith in Jesus? 
When was the last time you thanked God for a specific person's love toward other Christians? We spend far more time saying you should love one another and talking about the importance of having a life of faith in Christ than we do thanking God for those who have those. But Paul says he could not stop thanking God for those. In a world where there were so many gods for the Ephesians to choose from, tempting them, gods at the temple, gods in the houses of government, that they would believe in Jesus Christ and commit their lives to Him and give care for others who did the same, others who took the same risk, others who endured the same losses, that was worth celebrating. It still is. It's worth thanking God that people you know trust in Jesus more than they do in financial resources or politicians or weapons or celebrities or anyone or anything else for salvation. It is worth thanking God that people you know cook for and buy for and build for and pray for and visit and love members of our community. After Paul told the Ephesians that he couldn't stop thanking God for them, he went on and told them what he prays to God for on their behalf. These are people who came out of a pagan background. Most of them were not Jews who became followers of Jesus. He knew their faith in Jesus and their acts in Jesus' name put them under pressure. He knew how they had neighbors and family members and friends of the family who rolled their eyes or laughed out loud or couldn't help but saying, I remember you before you talked about Jesus. You're not all that holy. It's only a matter of time. Come on, let's go do what we used to for old time's sake. Paul prayed that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation as they came to know Jesus. Hear that. They already knew Jesus well enough that Paul thanked God for them knowing Him, enough to have faith in Him, Paul's asking for more, for their ongoing, developing relationship with Jesus. Because Paul knew the climate. He knew humanity. Paul knew the situation. He knew there would always be people around questioning, how could it be that Jesus was really God and that God was really man? How could God die? And how could a man be raised from the dead? He knew there would always be people around saying, well, if you're forgiven, you can do whatever you want. Let's do it. And others saying, you failed again. I guess you're not really Christian. Paul prayed that the Ephesians would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation as they came to know Jesus, even in their belief. They would need God's continued gifts of wisdom and understanding to deal with the pressures of representing their faith. 
the questions and skepticism and outright attacks that they would be under. The challenge of having to represent Jesus in ways that aren't holier than thou or wholly relativistic when the agnostic or antagonistic or frustrating cousin-in-law gets bored at the Thanksgiving table and decides to throw unanswerable questions at you. Not that that's ever happened to me. Paul prays that God will give them what they need as they are coming to know Jesus. What he's saying is, I'm grateful that you believe in Jesus. But don't stop at believing. Keep getting to know him. It's one thing to believe. It's better to believe and know. I believe I had a grandmother who we called Mutter. I've seen pictures of her with me when I was very young. I know that she was my mother's mother. I have some vague combination of things I may remember about her and things I've been told about her that make up whatever memory I might have of her. I believe she existed, but I don't know her. All I know about her is what I've been told. It's hard to build a life on that. My father's mother, on the other hand, I knew well. We had her until this past summer. Not only did I believe in her as my grandmother, I knew her as my grandmother. I knew her personally. I know plenty about her convictions, probably more than I want to know about her convictions. She had an influence on me. Her life affected mine. Paul didn't want the Ephesians to simply believe in Jesus. He wanted their belief to launch them knowing Jesus. He wanted for them an ongoing relationship with Jesus that would affect their lives. And why? In a world where there were great philosophers to teach them how to think and and reason... And why in a world where there were powerful officials who could make or break them? And why in a world where there were plenty of gods to choose from, some who they were called to serve and some who were called to serve them, why would they center their lives on Jesus? You know how letters can sometimes ramble, especially handwritten ones that aren't so easy to go back and edit. And prayers, they can do the same thing, particularly when they are not prepared prayers. People get so excited that they have these thoughts that start coming out and they can't help themselves. One sentence gets started and another one piles on top of the other one. Paul was in that state. He started with a prayer report and then he broke into praise. I thank God that you believe in Jesus and love others. I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you'll remain one of Jesus' inheritors. He is, and then it's on. Paul couldn't help himself. He started thinking about Jesus and got lost in it. He talked about the immeasurable greatness of Jesus' power for us who believe. How God put this power to work in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And He has put all things under His feet and made Him head over the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who is all in all. It's 
such a powerful run-on sentence. The many scholars believe that it was intended to be more for liturgy than for instruction. But what is more instructive than a hymn that gets stuck in your head? If you feel surrounded by all kinds of powers, authorities over you, rules that suppress, a system that favors some over others, wouldn't you want a song like that to get stuck in your head? To be one that praises the one to whom you've given your life. A song about the one who you are continuing to get to know better. This one who is more powerful than any other power, whose name is above every other name. Ephesians knew the Caesars. They knew of Nero, powerful, frightening, a name that caused them to shudder. But not as powerful a name as Jesus. They knew the gods of the land, Jupiter, Juno, Minerva, gods who people sacrificed to, counted on, feared, powerful names. But nothing like Jesus. There was nothing and no one in this life or beyond with power or authority like Jesus. And there still isn't with all the heartbreaking manner of things that people do to one another in this life to prove their power. To feel better about themselves by making another feel worse. To hold tightly to some twisted form of authority. Their name won't last. Their authority is fleeting. Their power will soon fade and the one in whom you Hold belief. The one who you are getting to know better will be the one whose power remains. That one is Jesus Christ. The one eternal King whose name is above every name. The one deserving of our prayers and worthy of our prayers. Thanks be to God for your belief in Him. Thanks be to God for your coming to know Him better. Thanks be to God for Jesus our Lord, the one eternal King. Amen.